Welcome back to Journey Map, the crafting crew podcast where we dive deep into the professional and oftentimes very personal journeys of notable agency people. My name is Dave Hale, and today I'm joined by Nick Verity, CEO of Cleverly. In this episode, we talk about how he got his internship at DreamWorks, the messaging change that was a turning point for Cleverly, and the secret to getting tons of company reviews. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you for taking this journey with us today. Nick Verity of Cleverly, welcome to Journey Map. Thank you. Nick, I want to start with your legacy of entrepreneurship. Um, growing up, your family had uh, a family business uh, that you were exposed to. What, what was the business and uh, what do you remember of, of life uh, as, a, as a child with that circumstance? So this was like the best business to be born into, but my parents ran a kid's bounce house company. It's like inflatable jumpers for birthday parties. So as soon as I had a little bit of muscles, I was able to help them um, and and do work for them, whether it was paid or not sometimes. But um, uh, that was really fun and saw them work super long hours and hard growing up. And I think without them encouraging me to go into entrepreneurship, that's what um, gave me the juice, especially seeing that like they could pick up and go wherever if it was vacation or anything that was them in control of their destiny, but um, had a lot of fun birthdays. So uh, do they still do this today or are they retired now or like, what's the, uh, they still do it. It's a little over 20 years. They've been doing it. Wow. Okay. So here's where we have a little bit of a, a shared experience. So uh, the first business that I ever started was uh, operating uh, buying and operating a 3,600 square foot inflatable paintball arena. And I would oh, take it around. Wow. Yeah. And I'd take it around to like fairs and festivals and what we call it, at least here in Canada, we call them frosh weeks. Like basically you're, you know, like yeah. the start of, start of uh, college. Um, and yeah, it was like, that was, that was my first experience with entrepreneurship too. So like, it's kind of like the, now, and what was really funny and I've shared the story on, on the show as well, but um what I found so funny was like the big lesson I took away about entrepreneurship through that business was here. I thought, Oh, we're going to be attracting teens, young adults, a bunch of dudes who are like a little drunk maybe. Mm -hmm. And they're going to come in and they're going to pay their five bucks and we'll let them shoot. And we did uh, rubber balls, like tag balls. Cause it was like, yeah. obviously not making a huge mess and, easier cleanup and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so we're like, oh, we're going to let people shoot at each other for 10 minutes, clear the deck. And this, you know, the, the financial model was pretty simple. It's like we had eight people in there every 10 minutes with a few minute turnover. So in an hour, you're putting through four groups. So it's like 40 people, five bucks. It was like 200 bucks an hour and we'd run for you know 12 hours and that would be the day. So, um, and I, I, I was like convinced. So the persona is going to be mainly guys and between the ages of you know 14 and and 30 <laughs> like um so even like we're playing like the music we're playing like everything is wrapped around that persona and then we did one event which is uh, canada day um you know our fourth of july um and it was at kind of like a, a family area where it, it got set up and there was this one dad who came up to me and is like, hey, my kids have been playing here. And he had one daughter, one son. He's like, my kids have been playing here 
uh, a few times already today. I really love what you guys are doing. If I were to just give you 20 bucks for each of them, could they just play for the rest of the day? And I was like, yes. And then we go and spray paint a sign that says $20 play all day. <laughs> and we put it up <laughs> and, the, and the till, you know, in Canada, our money is fun because it's different colors. So fives, $5 bills are blue, 20s are green. Uh, so the till went from a bunch of blue to a bunch of green. And it was just like parents. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, now all these kids are uh, not only playing, but they're basically were a babysitting service. And so they are all gathered around the sides and watching and cheering. And now we have a huge commotion. So that attracts more people in. And then all of a sudden we, we realize like we're getting paid 20 bucks, but we got so busy. These kids aren't even playing four times in a day. So we're actually have increased the, the amount per game, you know, uh, 25, 30% um, just through that process as well. And, and the thing that I learned was like, what's the real business that you're in? Like, you know, I, I realized like, we're not in the paintball business. We're a, we're a daycare <laughs> at festivals. Yeah. And, and as soon as you change that narrative, it's like, well, I'm going to stop playing disturbed and, Lincoln Park and stuff at the, you know, at the, at the festival. And I guess we'll get like more like pop top 40 type stuff going here. Anyway, so from that, that backdrop, you know, I, as you then move forward and obviously you decided not to join that business, but like, what were some of the takeaways that you had from watching your parents run uh, the, the, the bounce house business that you've kind of taken forward with you in your career since then? I'd say the number one thing is this, uh, saying my dad used to tell us because things would break all the time, like blowers, trucks, you know, your routes, there'd be traffic, like shit happens all the time. And he'd always just say like, figure it out. Cause we'd call him to complain. And as the boss, it's all you hear all day is complaints. <laughs> so he's just like, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. And usually, although it seemed impossible, it was like, oh yeah, we can just go buy a cord from the local hardware store or whatever. And so that like figure it out attitude, I think stuck with me to where any challenge we face at Cleverly, my agency now, there I usually can always think about like a roundabout solution to fix it or like teach our employees the same thing instead of relying on like sending it up the chain to solve your problems. And so we created like a community of people who generally solve their own problems. And so I think that's like the best takeaway I learned from, from my dad. Do you uh, do you ever share that story for context and background as you're telling someone like solve your own problems? Because otherwise, you know, it's like it's a great story and provides like the backdrop of it's like this is my experience and it's so valuable. So you got to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, I try to learn how to how to weave that story into things as I think it helps it stick better. And it's like shit used to be way harder. Like blue collar is way different than white collar. You know, like. You might be people screaming at you, little kids, like in your situation, parents are mad because the jump isn't blown up yet. And, you know, dealing with all these things, is just a different game. So, yeah, still to this day, I have um, uh, one business that I, I co-own to a, it's a, an event, still in, in the event world. Um, and we do a, a Halloween festival um, every October and, you know, tickets there cost like in the twenties of dollars. Right. And then meanwhile, here in our agency, we sell things in the two hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the, I, I say all the time, like I would so much rather have a $200,000 complaint than a $20 complaint okay. because the person with the $20 complaint is like 
harder to deal with and more angry about the problem than the person with the two hundred thousand complaints. <laughs> it's just like dealing with the general public is a, a whole other thing. So you originate in the the Bay Area, Santa Rosa. Um, you're big into Bay Area sports. We we saw as well. You, you go off to to college, uh, do a bachelor of science in business admin marketing management but the thing i thought was really interesting was like you were also in this like head of promotions for four elements of of hip-hop this like hip-hop club at the school so um how did this come about were you like a hip-hop dancer was it more like i have a skill set that i can bring to this club like what was it was there a person who were chasing there for romantic interest like what was the what was the story well the story there is i just grew up like liking eminem like i was that kid in the bedroom just blasting Eminem even though I grew up middle class (laughs) and so I just like I loved writing lyrics and so I was like I'm gonna join the hip-hop club and I did it and you know there's a couple times I had a freestyle on stage that was like the most nerve-wracking but I love talking about like hip-hop and rap culture it's just all so interesting to me and so that's why I joined that club but in college like I was I was a really bad student like I got under a 3-0 I actually didn't take it that seriously. I was just, my, my mentality was join every club possible and like learn like real business, like promoting clubs and stuff. And so um, I think that had more value than most of my classes. Right. I, yeah. That's kind of why I wanted to to double click on this here. Like in your role of head of promotions, like what was the most successful campaign strategy idea that you ever had in terms of helping the the club out so i mean the biggest thing we did was like in every tuesday and thursday it's like there's one hour a day where no one has class um i forget what we called it but we would go and just set up a huge speaker and just like either freestyle or blast like really good relevant music like j cole would drop an album and like we'd be playing it and then people would walk up and be like hey i like j cole and then we'd be like hey you know we actually like you know, we say, you know, we have debates on who's the best rapper alive, like in these fun meetings, like you should come. So um, that game was totally different. It was all foot traffic. So it was like, where can we set up where there's the most foot traffic? And like, how can we make it so fun that they're going to, you know, stop looking at their phone and they're going to walk to the right and like check out our booth. And so um, that was probably the most effective thing, even though it's real simple. And I think that that idea of like sometimes the most effective thing is the really simple thing. We're going to come back to that uh, as we get into uh, Cleverly. You got a, an internship at DreamWorks Animation, which just like very selfishly, I think is very cool <laughs> as a product and marketing strategy intern. I mean, uh, if you were a fly on the wall in my house, anytime I'm having like a down day or I'm like entering a midlife, I'm turned 35 this year, Nick, and I'm like firmly getting into like midlife crisis mode where you like start realizing like, yeah, I have this business and agency and this fun podcast and stuff, but man, I've really missed out on my dream of just moving to California and like being in the movie business. And then at the same time being like, I guess you could still just go down and do it. So then when I see someone who uh, was in that world, at least for a, a year or so, um, it, it intrigues me greatly. So like, what was it? Cause it, you would then b- bounce around, no pun intended. Um, kind of like different industries and i think that's really interesting too so what ultimately led you to to dreamworks and and what kind of things were you doing there well dreamworks was one of those jobs where i applied to like 100 and like nailed got the interview somehow but um 
I basically led like one of my classes, we built like a product called Lono Drop. It's unimportant, but it sits in your shower. And like, I brought it to the interview and gave it to the lady because I knew that I was going up against USC and UCLA students. I went to like a Cal Poly Pomona. It's not a, not a huge, it's a huge college, but it's not like a name brand college. And so I knew that like I had to separate myself. So I gave them this product I built and she was like, oh, this is super cool. It's unique. It stand out. And somehow I got the internship, but that year was crazy because they got acquired by NBC Universal while I was there. And like both my bosses got fired. So it was like a crazy, <laughs> like I saw this huge acquisition, like the CEO stepped down, Jeff Katzenberg, like it was crazy. So that was cool though. Yeah. It, you you then kind of go on, you, you you bounce around a little bit before ultimately starting cleverly. Um, so I, I guess like, you know, another thing that we share in common is like effectively going from college and starting your business almost right away. Um, so cleverly, like paint the picture, what was the idea for cleverly in 2018? Like we'll, we'll get to where it's gone and evolved to today. But like when you first set up shop and said, I'm going to go hang my own shingle, I'm going to do my own thing. Like what was the idea for cleverly? So it was actually my business. I have a 50, 50 partner. Um, it was his idea. So I worked for an agency out of college. We hired him to do LinkedIn marketing for us to like, go and get us sales leads for our agency. And I worked on that project with him. And so I've met him and then he pulled me to the side one day and he's like, listen, dude, like he used to be a tech sales rep for a huge, like multifamily tech company. And he had to get his own leads. So he was like a 22 year old pitching to like 50 year old, really wealthy, like multifamily COOs. And he found that he could actually like get them to reply to messages on LinkedIn, like fairly easily. And so he was booking meetings and closing deals off LinkedIn. He was like, I actually have like five or six clients and I can't service them. Like, can, will you quit and help me? And I was like, absolutely. And so I quit um, like pretty much the next week and then went to join him as, as a, you know, we went on a 90 day trial, but then I was a 50 day partner, but the original pitch was way different to your question. It was, um, we were charging like $1,500 a month, sending 2000 messages a month on LinkedIn for our clients back when it was like LinkedIn allowed you to send that much. Um, and so we were a more premium offer to where we only had 10 clients, but we were doing 15K MRR. Um, and so we were just kind of a normal agency back, back then. And what was the, what was the turning point for you guys? Like what was the big client win or, or crack the code on like, we just got some huge success for somebody. And like, when, when did everything kind of change uh, and, and shift into the model that you now run? Yeah. So, I mean, this was maybe a year in and like, we just weren't growing. Like it was, it's been three of us for a whole year. And we read this book called story brand, um, which is literally just about how to create the right messaging in your business, like how to pitch someone your business. And so we um, read that book and we changed our website. And so not even design-wise, just only copy. So the main tagline, which is the hero section of your site, you already know the drill, but the most important site, uh, page of the site, we renamed ourselves to like Cleverly. And then it was scale your leads on LinkedIn for $99 a month. So we dropped our price like heavily to where like we weren't even to be profitable um, but that like one tagline was so like, people are like, scale your leads on LinkedIn for $99 a month. Like all of a sudden, like 
all our outbound campaigns started converting way higher. People were like, yeah, I'll take a call. Uh, or yeah, I'll try this out for a month. Or yeah, I'll like go to your website and check it out. And then like our site had like an 8% conversion rate at that point. It's not that high anymore, but it was like super high. And so we started running Google ads and those were converting because our site converted so well, it was worth it to spend five, 10K a month in Google ads. And so um, anyways, there's more stuff on the homepage that we switched, such as like made everything crystal clear. Like that whole book is just about making everything just stupid clear, like no confusion, just like clearly explain what you do and people will, will sign up. That absolutely changed our business. The next month, I think we probably closed 60 to 70 deals. I don't remember exactly, but um, it was just so easy. Like me and my partner were just on calls all day, 15 minute calls, closing, closing, closing. Sales cycle was nothing. So like this is against most agency advice, which is like raise your prices and don't deal with crappy clients. But we dealt with all the crappy clients. And so anyways, that was like the crap part is like we quickly got 150 clients, which is kind of ridiculous. But it was like a nightmare to, to manage. You know, it, it's funny you say that because like I ironically firmly sit in almost like every part of life, whether it's earning an agency or in my case, like trying to parent or like whatever. It's always like the, the messy middle that sucks. Like I, I think the agencies who you hear talking about myself included because we were this we were in the messy middle for a long time so like in 2015 2016 our average client was worth about 45k a year and we had that same average for like three years in a row it was no change like one year 44 one year 46 one year 45 like it was like okay 45k average for three years in a row and we were growing but we were just growing with more of that that size. And, you know, what I started realizing is like, the problem with that size is you need account management, you need project management, there's still all the overhead and all you need admin, like we're going to be invoicing and billing and like, you know, within those clients, like we're doing a lot of projects for 5k, 8k, mm. 3k. So now you're adding up like, well, we have like a large accounts, payable accounts, receivable focus because there's like so many invoices <laughs> that are going out. We need to manage all this. It's almost a person's full-time job. So when you start adding all that up, I'm like, this model is also like killing us in, in profitability. You need like so many overhead people to facilitate the model, but we weren't adding 60, 70 clients a month. Right. So um, we weren't getting scale with the model. So it was like this mid tier model, not scalable, and whatever. So in our case, we did the classic agency thing of said, like, the next person who calls, I'm going to tell them we only work with $100,000 clients. And that's what we did. And like, of course, that person was like, Oh, I don't have 100,000 per year budget. I've got like 70. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll get I'll leave this with me. I'll talk to some people. And I'll get back to you if we can take on your business or, or not. And then you know, a few days goes by, I call them back. And the whole story is like, we talked about it. We love what you guys are. I'm kind of giving away the sauce right now. But anyway, you know, we talked about it. We love what you guys are doing. And even though it doesn't meet our minimums, we'd be happy to take you on. And they're like, done. <laughs> and so now, okay, sweet. We just signed a 70K client. And our average is 45. So, it's, you know, and we've been playing that game ever since. And, and um, you know, we, we are the example of like when upstream but and you went the other route but i i guess I, what i'm trying to say is like my experience is like when you sit in that middle that's where it 
sucks because you can't scale and you don't get the benefits of being selective. <laughs> so as you guys then like started getting that volume of leads, like you, like you said, you had three people at the time. So what changes had to like, you know, you read the story brand book, you put these things in place, immediately see results. And literally as we're talking, I've got building a story brand open on Amazon right now, <laughs> ready to be ordered. But um, you know, what, what other things in the business had to change? Like, yes, you started, had to start hiring people, putting new processes in place. Like what, what, on the back of your success were, were some of the, the challenges or, or um, you know, learning lessons? Yeah. I mean, um, for us, we went in an interesting direction where we stopped doing custom projects. Um, and so what we did was we productized our service. So it was when you sign up, you get the same thing every other client gets. You're launching within 10 days, you get targeting, copy, and then automation on LinkedIn. And like, that's it. And like, you have a dedicated account manager, blah, 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 blah. So that helped us number one, because we weren't doing like custom things, but also what that helped us do was now we can standardize the steps needed to launch and take care of a client. And we can automate as much of that journey as possible. And so like invoicing, billing, booking calls, questionnaires, CRM, all of that's automated through like basic Zapier and Monday.com and and type form integrations, like nothing crazy, but all those little steps and extra clicks, I think allow us to like launch and onboard so efficiently. Like we have one onboarding call, it's an hour long and they're launched, like they're done. There is no second call, like they must go live during that call. And so like, we've just figured out how to compress everything into a really efficient process with as much automation as possible. We even hired some Filipinos and did that whole game of, um, you know, they take care of little like manual tasks that I don't want a high salary person doing. So those things have made us like incredibly efficient um, and allowed us to go from like a hundred clients to 500 clients. Of course, like the hardest part for me in the beginning, and I think you can attest to this, this is also where agencies don't scale is they think that they're the best at doing the work. Like I used to think I must touch every account or they'll cancel because like I'm the best. And like, I was wrong in that assumption. And so like, we hired this guy, Cam, who like crushed it at account management better than me, can do as more capacities, faster, everything. I think as soon as I like took a step back and hired someone and it sucked because your salary, like I had my salary and then I had to give some of it to this new guy. And so but that sacrifice was like 100% worth it. You know, by the end of year two, we were, we did our first million in revenue and, and things were rolling. Yeah, I, I think that the problem with agencies and the agency model, and even to be honest, where I'm personally a little bit not maybe the, the standard stereotype is that like, we chose to start an agency out of the love of the idea of starting an agency, not because I was like, I'm the best copywriter or art director, or creative director or video production manager. Like, you know, there was no... Um, I'm not like, a, I'm not a web developer, you know, like, so we didn't, um, we didn't start from a place of like, oh, I'm so good at doing the work. Ironically, we actually started from a place of like, the insight was like, oh, like, I, I used to be the marketing director for a, a small family run business and, you know, trying to hire agencies to do some of the stuff that I was interested in getting. And then it was just like, no one out there in like the mid 2000s was able to do the stuff I was looking for. And I was like, I guess we should just do it ourselves. Like that's, that was much more the insight in our case. And I think how you see that evolve over time 
is even now like we're having these conversations of like what are we even are we an are we an agency like maybe not and that, I guess that kind of leads into my my next question for you is like you've referenced being an agency even on this call um in this interview like is is cleverly an agency like or or how do you how do you go about it because even like some of that building a story brand positioning and so on and so forth that is really well done on your site one of the things i i notice is it's almost like our first site when we launched like 13 years ago it's like is this a tech platform or is this a services company i don't really know so how do you guys think about that yeah i mean um we like we white label our software to be honest so like we didn't build it and so um the software that like runs accounts and stuff is not technically ours so i don't call ourselves a tech company but there's no way we could have 1300 clients as a traditional agency that's like manually doing everything and so we really are a the term is like productized service where mm -hmm. like it is a service you have an account manager but like there's a lot of work being done on the the account that like we never touch or do manually like we don't manually send these messages so I think that's like the tough positioning, but to clients, like they don't care. All we position it to clients is fully done for you. We do everything for you. And that's why I think we close much more deals than a SaaS or have a higher close rate is because it's like, no, we're fully done for you. No confusion. You're going to be live in seven days. We write the copy. We do everything. And so um, I still consider us an agency. I like the service business. I think it's an easier sell. Than, than just like selling a, a software, although the multiples aren't aren't as good at all. But um, I still consider myself in the service business. Yeah, awesome. So one of the things that's so so special about you guys, uh, you're the only B2B lead gen uh, and content agency with over 750 five-star reviews on places like Trustpilot and Clutch and, and so on what do you think it is that ultimately is driving that strong review performance? Yeah, there's two things. Number one is sheer volume of clients. Like we couldn't have that many reviews if we weren't closing over a hundred deals a month, um, which we are. And so that's number one. But number two, we don't do this thing that most companies do where they like teach their employees to ask for reviews. Like, oh, can you leave us a review? Like we take all of that out of their hands and automate it. So after every Zoom call, we send them, it's like an automated Calendly thing that asks them to rate their experience from one to five. If they give us a four or five, we send them a link to Trustpilot. If they give us a three or less, you know, we send it, we kick it back to the account manager and say, hey, you got to help this client. But like basically send every happy client after every happy call until they give us a review, like a link to Trustpilot. And that's how we've gotten so many reviews. And I really think that's a huge deal breaker when a prospect is vetting us against a competitor and they see our reviews and they're like, I'm just going to go with the company with more reviews. Like, I know about you. That's how I decide restaurants sometimes. If I'm like looking at two sushi restaurants, I'm picking the one with better reviews or, you know, other than proximity. So. Yeah. And, and you know, it's actually <clears throat> still the same concept, just not too dissimilar from, I think how we try to position ourselves. One of the things I think people who are living in that messy middle, like I said, don't grasp is like when you go downstream to the model of scalability like you have, 
like people are making like very quick decisions. It's like, you know, next thing you know, you're doing you're I see the reviews. I, I saw the Google ad. I went to the website, website copy looks good. Hit free consultation. Oh my God, look at there's all these positive reviews here. Next thing I know, I'm in my three ninety nine a month model with Cleverly. Like, and then you're just, you're in it. That's how you guys are doing a hundred, a hundred leads a month. Yeah. And in our case, I, I think what people who live in that messy middle don't understand is that it's like, it's actually easier to sell to like a bigger client because our whole positioning is like, yeah, we do work for Google and YouTube and SurveyMonkey and banks and like the, the big, the biggest brands on earth trust us. So like you should do. <laughs> and like, that's the, it's like, well, what else is the pitch? It's like, well, it's not really a pitch. Like every agency is the same. Everyone's going to give you good service. Like, yeah, I think the thing that sets us apart is like, you don't get to work with the, the big boys if you can't hack it. So it's like any other questions, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that's in, you're in the, the exact same boat, just where it's like a volume play of like, we wouldn't have 750 plus five-star reviews if we weren't good at what we do and if there wasn't that many happy and satisfied people so again that's where i find like the, the those agencies that live in the middle are, are missing the benefit of either one of those sides totally agree totally agree like in social proof that's just reviews our client are facing but i'm sure on the back end you guys have case studies and stuff like that that stuff is huge for closing deals also other than just showing logos and stuff with all you've learned and the success that you guys are having onboarding all these clients every month, if you were to go back to, to Nick plugging it out as a you know, driver assistant for, for party jump and uh, you know, working with your parents on these, these bounce castles, your, your dad kind of telling you like, you just got to figure it out. Um, if you could go back to yourself at that age and, and kind of paint the picture of where you're going to wind up, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself that would have helped you figure it out more easily. Yeah. I think it's that like what you think is impossible or too hard. It's usually not. And usually on the other side of figuring something hard out on your own is tremendous value. Like you've just unlocked like a new, like skin now you're tougher now you're smarter now you're more resourceful and so like um instead of defaulting to complaining you know which probably i was guilty of uh or it's too hot and i can't believe bill is making us do this or blah 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 or this is too hard like none of that stuff is helpful towards your character and it'll make solving problems in the future much 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 more easy so that's a really great insight um even something I needed to hear today, to be honest with you, funny enough, like uh, as I'm going through some, some hard stuff right now and definitely defaulting to like this, this fucking sucks. <laughs> like, um, and it does. It does yeah. And I, I think it's just like the reality of it is like, Oh, these hard things we're doing. Like the, the, the thing I need to remind myself is like, you put yourself in these positions like yeah. nobody fucking like I didn't have a Bob or whoever or Bill or whoever said like you know it's like you did this to yourself. Why are you complaining and fucking miserable and and all this kind of stuff? Like you put yourself into this challenging situation. Nobody else did. You want to walk around blaming everybody? That's my my thing. Like I blame. There's got to be someone I can blame for this. My my five year old. Who knows? But like um, uh, at the end of the day, it's like no, you put yourself in this position, and and I agree. Like I think. Um, 
I've said this a few times on the show, even recently. So sorry, audience, sound like a broken record, but like I grew up in this like really small town and just like, as you kind of like evolve out of that small town and go to bigger towns and cities and then start traveling internationally and stuff like that, like you, you do realize like how big the world is. And it's like, yeah, it's, I like the way you put it, like unlocking the next stage of yourself or like, once you have done things, or I was actually just interviewing a pretty senior person, we're hoping will come in and join the business. And he asked me, like, why am I interested in him? And I said, because you've seen stuff that I haven't seen. <laughs> like, like, you yeah, know, yeah. what in, in our context, I'm, you know, it's for our web business. And I was saying, like, we're now at a certain level, a certain average size, you know, it used to be 45k. Now it's much larger than that. But like, we're, we're now at an average size that we've seen it. So we know what that looks like. And that's why that has now become our new average. And I'm saying if we wanted to double that again, I've never seen what that looks like. I don't know who the customer is. I don't know how and why they buy. I don't know where to find them. Maybe uh, through LinkedIn, we get cleverly hooked up and, and away we go. But <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, it's like until you've seen and experienced something on the other side of it then you do feel it's like unlocking of yourself and it's just like a really amazing thing totally. well nick uh this has been an awesome conversation and uh we went to some places that were really fun i hope everyone checks out cleverly.co uh i mean like what's the what's the baseline starting price nick like 3.99 a month or something like this to if someone wants to sign up with you guys and, and get moving yeah our, our lowest plan is 3.97 a month it's fully done for you so it's pretty cheap and then but I always tell people we have a free guide. If you go to our blog and click on the first link there, it's like all my secrets. I wrote the guide on how to do LinkedIn. So just do that and you'll you'll be fine. <laughs> I love it. Nick, yeah. we're, cut, we're cut from the same class. I was like, here's what you need to do. And then I'm going to read it. And I'll be like, yeah, it just is a lot of fucking work though. So I'll just pay Nick to do it. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, we, um, uh, we used to have this... Um, digital marketing certificate that we co-owned with a university here in Ottawa. And uh, the people would ask, like, why are you doing this? Like you're, you're teaching potential clients. Cause it was like, it was like a grad program. So it was like, you know, mature students and like industry professionals and stuff like that. And like, sure enough, it was like, people would take our 10 week course and the number one takeaway they would have is like, Oh, I don't actually know anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. like, well, let's just, let's just hire these people. So we got paid five grand tuition for you to then learn that you should just hire us for, for other stuff. So yeah. Um, okay. Nick, awesome to meet you, man. Um, so much fun. We didn't get into some of my other passions like uh, F1 and real estate and stuff like this, but um, uh, you know, for another time, another time, for another time, for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for doing this and, um, and do well, man. Journey Map is hosted by me, Dave Hale, and produced by the full-service website production company, Craft & Crew. If you enjoyed today's interview and want to stay updated as new episodes of Journey Map are available, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening now.